welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we're booksmen. Sure as heck are. Yeah. Um, if anybody thinks we're not booksmen... Go to hell. Um, yeah, shut up. Shut up and go to hell. I'm such a booksman, mm-hmm. I wrote a new book and put it I'm out I'm such a booksman that I just heard that you wrote a new book. Yes. Uh, um, you don't plug your books on the complete guide. Why is that? Um, I do. I. Do you uh, want to record a commercial for for it for no, this week? No, no, I don't. I mean, we're already recording. Oh, for that regular episode. Yeah. You no, know, I don't know. I'm not gonna put. I'm not gonna put commercials on the Patreon, Tom. I'm. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> not what these people are. Paying. <laughs> these people are getting bilked enough. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm bad. I'm bad at publicizing. It's also like a weird thing because I have like a weird. Because uh, at least for right now, I write young adult novels, and then I do these podcasts that are decidedly not for young adults. But a lot of you young adults do listen. Yeah, well, they shouldn't. They should tell their parents that they've been delinquent a lot in of, their studies. Uh, a lot of uh, young adults listen because their parents listen to it. We get That's emails. true, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like it's a weird, it's, it's weird. I'm still, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now, but like still trying to kind of figure out the dichotomy of like, how I promote these things. I will tell you there's a little, a little inside baseball here, a little behind the curtain that, uh, it's not great for me to, so nobody noticed this, I'm sure. But like, I didn't promote, uh, on my social media, my new book until the day after it came out. Mm -hmm. It's all about the Amazon algorithms, baby. You got to Amazon doesn't like to see a big spike. They like to see like a sustained spike or whatever. So you got to kind of spread out your marketing a bit. But the other problem is uh, that I can't necessarily be like, hey, people listen to the complete guide who wouldn't normally read young adult sci fi. Check out my new book, because then that fucks up Amazon's algorithms, at least in like the first few days until things get established. Mm -hmm. Now, the algorithms, they're tight as a goddamn drum. So if you'd like to go buy my books, you can do that on. Now you're allowed to go spend money to read Tom's book. I'll allow you to spend money. Oh, that reminds me. I have to respond to a guy because I don't know if you saw like I posted a thing on uh, Instagram where I was like. Hey, like, I really appreciate the sentiment, but (laughs) like, please don't post five star reviews with just like complete guide inside jokes. Um, The guy who did that messaged me. Very nice guy. Fuck you, Tom. No, extremely apologetic. And um, uh, I got to definitely message him before this episode (laughs) goes out because I've read the message. I haven't responded. but, this can uh, be your response. <laughs> well, he did. I think he did say he was a Patreon person, but he, but you know, had a completely understandable like, oh my god, like yeah, I thought it would be like a nice thing to do, and like I didn't even think about that. Oh my god, but he realized that on his own and deleted the review. Uh, when I saw, I saw it, and I just kind of like chuckled at it, and then like a couple hours later, it was gone. And I was like, oh. 
fuck, Amazon removed that. Oh, so oh, he shit. inadvertently. Yeah, that was the whole reason why I posted something, because I was like, oh, no, Amazon's, like, on, and, like, you know, nobody knows how Amazon really works, so it's like, oh, shit, like, maybe they just put, like, a, you know, a black, you know, my book's been blacklisted now or whatever, Burned, I heard. I heard they took all the copies and just burned them in a big bonfire. They, I don't know. I mean, they have to print them. So if they want to do that, I guess it's fine as long as I don't get charged for them. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but it turned out. But I do want to say, like, it was mostly because that was also not like a verified purchase on Amazon. So that's why I thought if you want to buy the book and leave a, a real review, that's five stars and and has oh, you'll allow that you'll allow I'll, somebody no to this guy did leave a five star and then leave a five star review i'll allow it if they want to hear that there's a very generous offer from the man that you're already paying uh for this if they want to do that and slip in a reference or two to the complete guide that's all right i'll allow it but they need to be clandestine references right they need to Slip under whatever AI Jeff Bezos has cooked up. Uh, yeah, I immediately went to that product page and I was like, what was the reference? Is it something like Tom hates service employees? Because <laughs> I feel very bad that I no, started that No, did you see it? I don't really... No, it was yeah. gone. Oh, yeah, because by the time I posted anything, it was gone. I forget what it even was. It, it, it wasn't something like that. It was in an... Oh, Excuse me, I think it was something about segways. Yeah. Uh, so it was no, a, I mean it was uh, innocuous, but at the same time, like reading it, it's like, oh, if I were a customer reading this, I'd be like, This is nonsense words. I don't understand what this is. So How cool would it be if uh you went to your uh you know, the the product page for your new book? Mm-hmm. Um Metal, is it called? Yeah, Metal Five. Um, the new metal, and, and it said, uh, "Who knew?" And you, <laughs> the new metal, and you, yeah, it's a how-to book. No, 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 the, the new metal, and you, metal. Oh, and you with the umlaut over the yeah, U. Yeah, 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 of course, yes. Um, how cool would it be if you went and it said, "Customers that bought this also bought," and there was a segue there? Oh no, I'd be so jealous. <laughs> I'd be like. Tim, I can't even tell you the specific segue that I talked about on our segue episode recently, where I tried to convince you that we should go in together and buy a $400 segue that I use exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, I have now seen that exact segue three times since we've recorded that episode. I mean, that's the complete guide bump, baby. I guess it is. All these other people rush out to buy them. And I know people are like, ooh, that's not a Segway. That's a hoverboard. I know, but it's a Segway branded hoverboard. And guess what? On Amazon, for like $60, you can buy an attachment. It'll put the handlebars back on there the way they should be. Before everything, before the world went crazy. Well, this, this Segway... It is like a hoverboard, but it has like knee bars. Like it has mm. bars that go up to your knees. I don't know. It's a little bit different. It's what makes it um, a Segway. That's I all I can that, say. Tom, I hear that New Empire is another great read in the Omni series. That's it. I just want to wrap it up uh, by saying 
Uh, that's that's the word on the street. Is that one of the reviews? Is that a review yeah, you left? Another another great entry to the series is another way that I would put that. Uh, a good book that continued the world building and told a unique story that was well worth the read. Tom, this yeah. person did not regret <laughs> spending time and money on this on this book. Well, that's that's uh, the most I can hope for that you would not regret spending time or money on it. Um, Tom, and one more very personal question. Mm-hmm. Um, how, big how much is money your have you made? <laughs> um, uh, this uh, Twitter situation that happened yesterday. Oh where, uh, yeah, the, the verified folk, the blue check folks. Yeah, couldn't uh, couldn't tweet for a few hours. We were censored. Yeah, man. Did you go over to Parlor? <laughs> is that like a right wing thing or something? Yeah. Oh, you've muted all the all the all the frivolity from Yeah, you I'm telling on, me. Yeah, I'm on Twitter now. I have a list called Sanity that only has like uh tech and video game and movie and comic news in it. But even That's that awesome. But even that it's like I don't follow a few like uh, writers and stuff. A few people that I really like aren't in that list because they post things about politics and whatnot. Um, Doesn't it bum you out when there's somebody like Stephen King where you're like, I really like your writing and like the tweets that he writes, like, well, ideologically, I feel like they fall in the right place, but it's also like, Ugh, brother, if you think this is like a fresh take or a, yeah, a, yeah, he has a very uh, like old man take yeah. on things. It's like oh no, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Twitter's uh, tricky, like, and, and I mean, mostly I just don't want politics Twitter in my Twitter anymore because it's like oh, I I know. <laughs> I'm aware. I, I get it. I'm doing everything within my power. I'm as upset as I possibly could be <laughs> while still remaining functional. So, yeah. Uh I don't need to know more awful things that are happening right now. It's it's not going to further sway. I'm glad people with platforms like Stephen King are out there doing it cuz I'm sure he's convincing some people, but it's like I'm already convinced, pal. No more need. Yeah. And I don't need you to be like, hey, Agent Orange is... All right, cool. Just... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did not go over to Parlor, Tim. I did try to tweet because I was curious if I was part of that, uh, that uh, you know... The intellectual uh, dark web the... that was silenced. Hey, Tim, people like myself, Barack Obama, uh, couldn't tweet. That's the two. That's the two that can tweet. <laughs> Tom, did you get all that Bitcoin that I sent you? Because I'm waiting for double the amount in Bitcoin back from you. It hasn't hit my account yet. As soon as I get mine from Barack Obama, okay. it's going right to you, Tim. Thanks. I mean, he's a pretty good guy. I think he's, I don't know, he must just be busy or something. I haven't gotten it back yet. I feel Do like they... people listening to this a few days later are going to be like, what the hell are they talking about? They'll, Things they'll just hear, get so Tom, forget forgotten. They'll hear this in uh, 12 to 15 hours from now. That's true, yeah. The turnaround on Books the Podcast is a lot quicker than the, the main episode. Yeah, hey, if you want to, well, these people already signed up. 
But if you want to hear the latest news, sign up to Books and Podcast. Well, a peek behind the curtain, we used to record every Wednesday night. Yeah. Now we're loosey-goosey. This is Thursday night. Thursday night's become the new Wednesday night. And I think it's just because it's not until Thursday that both of us realize what day of the week it is. (laughs) That's absolutely true. And also, it's like, I don't know, neither of us have anything that isn't movable to do. (laughs) Thank God everybody like got tired of uh, like Zoom calls and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have a standing call with my with my family, my parents and my brother's family, every Friday night at nine fifteen. <laughs> oh no, Which, that's horrible! Why it, so late? I mean, it's uh, not like late, but it's oh, the kids have to be in bed. Yeah, my brother yeah. has kids, and like they don't finally go down until. Um, but, uh, like in normal times, that'd be insane to be like, yeah, I'll tie up my Friday night <laughs> talking to my parents but even at in these 9 15. Even like, in these times though, I feel like, I don't know, but like eight o'clock on a Friday night, I want a movie started. Yeah. Yeah. Like it I want to be kind of like tucked in for the night. Yeah. But nothing like, cause we get off this thing at 10, 10 yeah. 15 or whatever. It's like, all right, I'll watch a movie. I like, yeah. especially on a, a Friday night. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter if I sleep in yeah, tomorrow. Be, yeah, and like on normal days, it's like, like I can sleep in tomorrow and still start working by nine because it takes me five <laughs> minutes to get ready in the morning. Well, I'll have you know, Tim, that I, uh, in the uh, process of recording this, turned down a FaceTime call from my uh, niece, who's almost two now. She's awake right now? Well, no, it was earlier. My brother, yeah. they're, they're away on a, uh, a trip upstate uh, to like a cabin. Uh, my brother was like, hey, are you around for a, uh, a FaceTime call? Uh, Maeve, that's my niece. It's like Maeve keeps uh, asking for Tommy. I was like, ah, oh, uh-huh. I have to record with Tim. Tell her that. That sucks. So she starts getting the idea that Tim's a bad man in her head. I mean, there's no reason for... I mean, I'm happy to play the villain (laughs) in your niece's life. My niece niece has recently gone from calling me Tomo to Tommy. No, that stinks. Yeah, I know. I kind of was like, no, Uncle Tomo's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Especially because whenever she would FaceTime me, like, you know, it wasn't her. It was her parents or or, or my mom, her grandmom. Yeah. I would like get a call. I'd be like, "Oh, I know what this is. Facetime. It's my brother doesn't want to Facetime with me. It's going to be my niece." <laughs> and as soon as I would answer, and as soon as I popped up on the screen, it was like uh, it reminded me of walking into a bar. Remember that in the old days? Because yeah. as soon as my face appeared on the screen, she would go, "Tamo." <laughs> <laughs> That's cool as hell. You get yeah. you're getting the real uh, norm treatment. You know, uh, it's all I could ever Norm hope Peterson for. Fields. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And she calls my girlfriend, Laura, Aura. <laughs> but somehow she gets Elmo's name right. Yeah, my my nephew likes Elmo a lot more than me. All I, bought a, I bought an Elmo book to uh, to read to him over, oh, um, over, over FaceTime? FaceTime. Yeah. Man, kids nowadays, they love Elmo. They like, really do. Like, there is not a, a kid between the age of, like, one and three that isn't a diehard Elmo head. Yeah. 
Uh, they, I mean, they engineered yeah. Elmo to appeal to a specific age group, and it's like two and three year olds specifically. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Elmo's supposed to be like three and a half, I think. Yeah, and I think it's just like at that point in development of a child, they see everything as it for the first time, like as it relates to them exclusively. It's when they're at their like most uh, self centered. Um, in life, well, what? some people don't get past that. Um, but that's why it's like Elmo thinks this, and Elmo says that, and everything is just like, here's how this affects me, and like uh, three-year-olds are just. So like, you're, you're saying, Hell yeah, I get it. Elmo is to three-year-olds as like Rush Limbaugh is to like sixty-five-year-olds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh thinks this about immigrants. Rush Limbaugh. Have you seen clips of Rush Limbaugh from the last few weeks? No, I mean, he's dying, right? It's dystopian. Like, he's just talking about, like, you just got to understand that this is a thing that's happening, and we have to live with it. The Donner Party, they went, and it it was a tough winter, and they didn't complain about it. But they had to resort to cannibalism. And we just have to, like he was arguing for opening up schools and businesses and being <sighs> like, people will have to die and stop fucking complaining about that. Sometimes yeah. things happen and you just have to do it. <sighs> it's, it and it's such a dark argument yeah. to make. Yeah, you don't, you don't like to, you know, wish and applaud anybody's death, but when they're wanting other people to die it's like well yeah i don't i don't necessarily hope for your death but if you can get sick enough to the point where you can't do this anymore that'd be yeah, great you, for everybody yeah where you can't uh, cause more disgusting harm. things yeah over the, over the airwaves yeah. to millions and millions of people every day yeah um tom uh in the discord mm-hmm. uh a number of people um were were taking bets on um, when the next book poll would get posted on Patreon. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and knowing that the episodes drop on Friday, funny film fan said he started this. Uh, he went for 3.30 p.m. New York City time on Tuesday, which uh-huh. is three days um, before the episode would drop. Um People went, uh, G. Pickle and Copper went for 331, 332. They were going uh, prices right for right, a while. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they were, uh, then they mentioned, like, oh, uh, there was no poll this time. We all lost. <laughs> now, let me. You ask- made an executive decision, man. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Was there money involved in this betting? Because maybe I'll uh, create a new account, get involved there, in there. Ooh, be, be the Pete Rose of Discord. There was no, there was no money involved. <laughs> um, but I would encourage people to start gambling on our on our Discord. That'd yeah. be fun to pop in on. So uh, my train of thought was, uh, I think I mentioned this a little bit last week. I've been really wanting to read uh, Octavia Butler lately, uh, who recently passed away, I believe. Uh, but are you looking for me to, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're the not? producer here, uh, a, uh, a very influential sci-fi writer and a black woman, which there's not very many of in the world of, uh, science fiction. 
Yeah, she passed away 14 and a half years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> then it wasn't recently. Um, but uh, I was uh, wanting to read some of her stuff, and I was like, let me look at Black Sci-Fi. And I came up with a list. I have a whole list. I could, I could read it off. But there were two... There was one problem, which I mentioned in the thing, which was that, like... You never learned to read. That was... Well, that goes without saying. uh, That there aren't any movies based on any of the books I was looking at. Um, That was one problem. That was a problem, but the, the real thing was one of the books that I was looking at, uh, I can't find the name of it. I think it was an anthology that uh, Walter Mosley wrote uh, that was all like uh, Afrofuturist sci-fi that I was very interested in. I was like, ah, we don't really do like short story collections, though. Like, let me see what other sci-fi he's written. He's written a few sci-fi books, but mostly he's written like detective mystery novels. Like hard-boiled stuff? Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of really in the mood for that. Uh, Like, I really liked when we did... um, uh, uh, And then there were none. Uh, Well, you liked that for (laughs) disappointing reasons. Uh, So I was like, you know what? His first book, Devil in a Blue Dress is a Denzel Washington movie. There is a movie. Uh, he's a prominent black author, and uh, he writes mysteries, detect- specifically detect- detective mysteries. And again, a little... Look, I'm a little double-dipping double here because I think the next book I'm working on is kind of a detective mystery. Hmm. So I kind of desperately wanted to read a little bit more, and that's why I was like, you know what? I'm doing an executive decision because if I do a poll, also I forgot to put up a poll, and by the time the poll's done, I'm not going to have much time to read. So I was like, fuck it. We're doing uh, Devil in a Blue Dress by Walter Mosley. Nice. Um, I think that's a great choice. Um, I'm excited to watch the movie, and I think uh, a bonus of this um, is uh, the movie was directed by a black director, um, Carl Franklin, who, um, you know, I think um, in Hollywood, black director, black directors are very underrepresented as yeah. well. So, um, and he also did a few episodes of Mindhunter, Tom. That, uh, Mindhunter I really liked, and I just watched, um, uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus, and mm-hmm. the main guy from Mindhunter plays King George in that. Yeah. And it blew Jonathan my mind. Groff. He's completely different. Yeah, he's a, he's a king. Well, I mean, he's just... And he sings songs. Does he sing songs in Yeah, yeah, he sings songs. Oh, okay. Well, uh, my mistake. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, and I, I looked into Walter Mosley a little bit. You know, it's like one of those names I've heard a lot, but I didn't know a lot about him. Uh, very interesting guy. This is his first novel, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. He wrote it at age 34. Ooh, I love when things happen like that. Yeah. And, like, since then, he's pretty consistently published two books a year. He's just, like, you know, a writing maniac. And this is, uh, uh, he's written a few books 
with this uh, same character, uh, Easy Rollins is uh, the the protagonist's name. His name's Easy. Easy, which I was like, oh, it's a nickname, and then later on find out his name's Ezekiel. So ah. Easy is short for Ezekiel, which I like, and I had never heard that before. No, I mean I don't know anybody named Ezekiel. Ezekiel, right? But if I do meet somebody, I'll be like, hey, do you ever go by Easy? Yeah. And they could be like, no, but I'd like to. Or they'd probably be like, yeah, I hear that sometimes. I don't, like, I don't like they'd that. Say, they'd probably say, no, but I'd like to. And thank you for um, christening me with a cool new name yeah. that you learned from a book that your <laughs> friend read. <laughs> and you talked about on a podcast. Uh, so let me, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the book itself. I'm freaking loving this book so far. And I kind of think I just like books. <laughs> Some books are bad, Tom. I, w- I wouldn't give in across the board. I think I've, maybe I've just been lucky, but I feel like I've read a bunch of good books uh, lately for books of podcast. Hmm. Like, I really like, I, I really like this so far. Like I mentioned, uh, um, and then there were none I liked a lot. Blade Runner or, or uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep I liked a lot. What else did I read recently? What was the one before this one? Everybody's, oh, fuck knows. everybody's screaming at their televisions right now. Well, I read I Am Legend. I tried to read Outlander before that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the book is oh uh, around the world in eighty days which I oh, really yeah. oh, which I, I really like too. Uh, I think you should read all the books and I'll just watch the movies. <laughs> because this kind of reminded me of uh, in a weird way. It, it, stylistically, it's not the same, but around the world in eighty days, where like no, it didn't. No, uh, let me finish. Where within the first chapter, I'm like, I'm in. I like this. I like the vibe here. I'm into it. Because let me tell you what the vibe is, Tim. Fucking 1948 L.A. Hard-boiled detective film noir, but not film, just regular noir. Uh, That's the vibe. I I like that vibe as well. I I, love... I'm reading a a book about... um, been reading it for fucking ever because of this stupid podcast that I had to keep stop <laughs> reading it. Um, but about uh, California in like the the twenties through the forties. Okay. Um, something uh, something about California, old time yeah. California, makes me real happy, and I really like. Uh, I, I, I'm with you on the noir thing. Yeah, like um, immediately the vibe for this book. So I've been reading uh, Devolution by Max Brooks. Uh, which is about Bigfoot, which I love, uh, and I really like Max Brooks as a as an author. But like, I don't know, the book kind of feels like a slog because like the Bigfoot hasn't really appeared yet, and like I don't really like any of the characters. I don't really like the setting. Uh, but this book, right away, I'm like, I like this protagonist. I like this setting. I'm into it. So we open up in Los Angeles, 1948. Uh, Easy is at uh, Joppy's Bar. Joppy has a bar. And I'm reading about this bar. And I'm like, man. Joppy? Joppy. And I'm like, I miss bars. 
so much. <laughs> I didn't really think I did, but then just hearing like the descriptions of this bar, I'm like, oh, I want to be sitting in a bar. And even though this bar sounds horrible, because this bar is on the second floor of a butcher's warehouse. Oof. So Easy is one of the few non-butchers that frequents this bar uh, because most people can't stand the smell of of like rotten beef, rotten yeah, I meat. Yeah, as a guy who worked in a butcher shop, I wouldn't knowingly, I wouldn't willingly go hang out in a place that smelled like it. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, but he's fine with it for whatever reason. He's just, not just, but he's come back from, he's from Texas. He's come back from World War II. He fought in World War II. Uh, he killed a lot of Nazis. And, like, you know, he's dealing with that a little bit where he's like, I don't regret this, but, like, oh, boy, I keep thinking about, like, these guys I had to, like, strangle to death in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> uh, and, like, uh, I didn't realize until five minutes after they were dead that, like, they were dead. So, <laughs> um, he is from Texas. He's from Houston, but he's in L.A. He just got laid off from his job. Uh, what the hell is this job? I forget his job. It's like a, like an, oh, it's like a manual labor job, but like, he's fine with it. Uh, I think it's probably later in my notes, but he's laid off. So he goes to the bar. He's hanging out with Joppy and this guy comes in a white guy. Uh, so like all the, the people, all the people that frequent this bar are black and they're mostly the butchers that work downstairs and a white a white guy comes in, which is a rare sight, and uh, uh, he's wearing a Panama hat. Did everybody go, boo? <laughs> no, it was pretty early in the day, so there weren't too many people there. And um, uh, Easy's like, oh, I, Joppy's like kind of nervous around this guy. And, he, and he's like, Joppy like, looks like hell because he was a boxer. That like was notorious for like just being able to take a beating and like <laughs> still like looks like he just got the hell beaten out of him. And he's like huge. He's just like his muscles are like bulging through his shirts. And he's like this guy, you know, this white guy walks in a Panama hat and he's like, oh, hi there. Hello, sir. What can I do? Uh, th- uh, let me help you. So he's like, why is this guy make him nervous? That's weird. And then this guy, uh, uh, we find out this guy's name is DeWitt Albright. DeWitt Albright? De- DeWitt Albright, yeah. Okay. And he's like, hey, uh, uh, you're easy, right? Like, let's have a talk. I hear you're looking for work. And he's like, what? Hi. Huh? So anyway, they go talk. Um, <laughs> and uh, DeWitt Albright's like, I'm looking for a girl and I need some help. And he's like, well, that's not the kind of thing I do. And he's like, well, I, you know, I've heard that you're looking for work. You're out of work. Like, I just need some help. And guess what? Oh, so the big the big thing weighing on easy is that he has a he has a very tiny house in L.A., but he's extremely proud and happy that he like owns this house. He owns a bit of land. Mm-hmm. Um but he's very worried about his mortgage because he has lost his job. His mortgage is due on the first. This is like the twenty fourth or whatever. Uh, so this guy Albright is like, "I'm looking for this girl. I'll tell you what. You find this girl, 
it's um a hundred dollars for you. And I well no, a hundred maybe it was a thousand. I think it was a thousand, which back then was ten thousand dollars. And he's like, and just to get you started, I'll give you a hundred bucks, which is a thousand dollars. You know, so it's like a huge so it's kinda like a uh, I can't say no. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'll do it. Um, and he tells him, he's like, the reason why I need help is like this woman I'm looking for. And he shows a picture and it's like, you know, like a beautiful babe, like a blonde babe. And he's like, she likes to hang out in uh, like a speakeasy. Well, now you got my attention. <laughs> speakeasies, bars, clubs, wherever that are uh, predominantly black. So he's like, you know, look at me. I'm wearing a Panama hat. I can't exactly walk in there and, you know, not raise an eyebrow. So, like, I need some help. And that's where you can help me out. So he's like, I don't know about it. He's like, this guy's sketchy, but, like, I really need money. And this sounds pretty easy. So, all right. Uh, and then he's, he goes back to his house. He's talking about his house. In his house, he has a, an apple tree and an avocado tree. So one, I mean that's that's L.A. for you, man. That's L.A. He was uh, the prototy- the prototypical hipster with an avocado tree outside. <laughs> uh, he really loves his home and his avocado toast. Oh, so no, actually, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Um, uh, Albright is like, uh, here's my card because he's like, ah, I don't know. He's like, look, think about it. Here's my card. I. By this point, he hasn't really told him details. He's like, I'm looking so for a girl. Albright's thing is like, I'm looking for this lady. I'm just going to go into a bar and be like, I'll give somebody money to find my lady. Well, he's friends with Joppy. He knows Joppy. And I think Joppy gave him a heads up like, hey, this, okay. guy, this guy, Easy, is like very good with people. And he he's looking for money, probably. Actually, but I don't know. I don't think Joppy knew by this point that Easy lost his job. But he was just like, I don't know. Talk to this guy. Um, but, but easy is uneasy with Joppy or not Joppy with Albright. Cause he's like, ah, this guy's just sketchy. I don't get it. Like this seems too easy to make this kind of money, just finding somebody. Um, so, uh, Albright's like, here's my card. Come to my office after seven, anytime after seven tonight, we'll talk more. Cause he's like, we shouldn't talk here. We'll talk in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to his office at like 8.30 and uh, he's like heading in. It's like one of those like uh, like Spanish style uh, like L.A. places where like a lot of it's outdoors, it feels like, mm-hmm. like buildings. And he gets stopped by a security guard where a security guard's like, hey, where are you going? And uh, he talks about how like he loses his focus when like a white authority figure confronts him. Uh, and he like flashes back to like another time this has happened and like why he's like that, where it's like, I just, I've learned to just like empty my mind when this happens because like, it's like a defense mechanism. Like, I don't want to tell them what's going on. Like, it's easier to just play dumb and he hates that he does that. Um, so finally, he tells the guy, he's like, you know what? Fuck you. Luckily, from 1948 <laughs> Things to, have changed to tremendously. Yeah. But he finally gets to a point where he's like, look, man, I'm telling you, this guy wants to see me. 
you're not going to let me up. That's fine. You go tell him you're not going to let black people into the building. He uses a different word, but like you tell him fine. And the guy's like, Oh, hold on, hold on. I'll go check. And he goes checks and he's like, all right, come in. And he goes into another room and there's two other guys. Uh, one is Indian and one he's like, I don't know. He kind of looks Asian and they both just like frisk him. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you didn't have to do this. And they're like, ah, it's not a big deal. And then he goes into the room with uh, with DeWitt. And DeWitt's like, oh, hey. And he's like, oh, there are so many good lines in this book, like uh, very noirish lines. Um, and one of them, when he's, when he's in there talking to DeWitt, he says, he told me a few stories, the kinds of tales we call lies back in, back in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then he talks about uh, killing guys and how one of the the biggest, one of the worst things about killing a man close up, he's talking about World War II, is that they shit and piss themselves. It's like, wow, that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's when Dewitt tells him, like, I'm looking that's for. That's why I don't kill people, Tom. That's the only reason. It's one of them. It's one of two. Uh, the other one is I just don't have the nerve. <laughs> you have the desire, but not the nerve. Yeah, I can't work up the nerve. Yeah, um, a ton of desire. So that's when he shows him the picture. He's like, this is Daphne Monet. I'm looking for her. And that that's when he tells her, like, I need her help. And uh, he's like, all right. Uh, and he gives him 100 bucks. And he's like, all right, $1,000 in, in 2020 money is what he's thinking. So he goes to the speakeasy and the speakeasy sounds great because the speakeasy is in the back of like a candy store or I don't think it's nor it's just a candy store, but the only person working in the store is at the candy counter and you have to like tell her the code word and they explain like you don't need speakeasies anymore because, you know, prohibition's over, but like there's still speakeasies because people like it and like it's a way to, you know, save some money. Hey, Tom, uh-huh. do you think there are speakeasies right now now in like New York now that the bars are closed? Oh, probably. But they're probably like fucking the worst place you could possibly go because it's a bunch of people oh, that... <laughs> I would fucking hate to go there, but like this is the first time because like there's a lot of like like in this where it's like, look, there's a lot of places that build themselves as speakeasies. Right, and it's, it's yeah. All, but like now there are places probably where it's like, no, you do need to kind of go on the down low. They're in secret locations. You have to know the right people to yeah. get in. Uh, I'm That's sure cute. there are. I, I've it's heard. It's full of assholes. <laughs> um, so he like, you know, he already knows the woman. Uh, so she like lets him in. Uh, speakeasy's open till three. So this woman's working the candy, the candy counter at the store until three in the morning. Uh, which is suspicious. This I understand. Uh, they established a cover to keep out the riffraff at the speakeasy. And she says mm-hmm. it's six bits, uh, which is three quarters. I don't understand the bits to quarters ratio there. Wait, six bits? Yeah, is is 75 cents, three quarters. Okay, so a quarter is two bits. No, oh, maybe that's all it is. <laughs> uh, and then she tells him about uh, a guy who got beat to death with a pipe recently uh, near the near the place. 
Uh, so it's like, ah, maybe this place is a little bit dangerous. He gets in. Uh, this guy named Junior is his, uh, is uh, uh, you know, like the guy who does the whole like sliding open the thing and like uh, password. Mm-hmm. Um, but Junior's also, you know, Junior's like, ah, oh, come on in. Junior's also from Houston. Uh, he tells a story about Junior beating the hell out of him. <laughs> <One time. laughs> like Junior beating the ever loving shit out of him. But then after that, like they became friends. And then he's like looking around. I forget. I have the notes here of the names. I forget if it's when he's looking around the bar or he's just talking about people that play at the bar. And there are a bunch of great names. Uh, Alfonso Jenkins. Ja- Giacomo Jonas. Skinny Rita Cook. And then uh, a guy that they just call uh, Knife Hand. (laughs) Knife Hand? Because he's so quick with a knife that it's like his hand is a knife. And his name's just Frank Green. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is why they gave him a cool nickname. Yeah. Because everybody else has cool names. Yeah. Uh, And he tells a story about... uh, He's thinking about this guy, Moose, that he knew back in Houston, because I think uh, Junior's like, oh, you hear from Moose or Mouse. I'm sorry, Mouse. And uh, I forget who asked who, but they both know this guy, Mouse. And this guy, Mouse, is like kind of bad news. And you find out that Easy Rollins, uh, like, the I think it was the last time he saw a Mouse or one of the last times. It was like a friend of his. And he was like, hey, I need to uh, come with me. I need to go talk to my stepfather about getting my mother's inheritance. And then Mouse uh, shot and killed his stepfather. He was like, oh, no. So, like, you know, he had to be like, ah, I wasn't there kind of thing. He goes around the the speakeasy. He's asking about. So the woman he's looking for is Daphne Monet. But he's asking people if they know a woman, a blonde woman named Delia. And the reason he's doing this is because he's so smart that he's like, I don't want to say the real name because I don't want people, you know, if they don't know her being like, oh, there was a guy in here looking for a woman named Daphne because he's still like, I don't really know what the deal here is. Right. Um, uh, I should have kept better notes here. At one point, he talks about Italians. Oh, his boss is an Italian. (laughs) Hey. Does he say Italian? Like yeah, D-I-E it's I dash Italian. Okay, um, because this guy Dupree comes in and Dupree works with them, and Dupree's like, "Nah, the guy, the boss, he and the boss is like the boss's son." And he's like, "Nah, the boss wants you back," and he's like, "I don't think he does." And he's like, "Nah, he wants you back." He he regretted it after he you know said a bunch of horrible things to you on the way out the door about how black people are lazy. <laughs> Like, but no, now he wants you back. And he's like, ah, uh, typical Italian. So now uh, Dupree is there with this uh, with this woman, Coretta, who's hot. And uh, uh, Coretta's like kind of hitting on him. And then uh, Dupree gets like blackout drunk. So they both like have to like bring Dupree to Coretta's uh, house because it's close by for him to like sleep it off. And uh, Coretta's like, you know, really laying it on. He's like, come on, man. Like, you know, your boyfriend's like in the next room. And she's like, ah, it's not my boyfriend. Like, that's just a guy. Um, And then she's like, so you were asking about Daphne. And he's like, 
Wait a minute. I never said Daphne. I said Delia. Ooh, he's a smart man. Yeah. So uh, uh, she's like, oh, Daphne's a friend of mine. Um, and uh, we got along really well. Like, I think she was like, we met and got along last week at the playroom, which is like another, uh, you know, uh, speakeasy? speakeasy or dive bar or something. Oh, there's like a lot of jazz going on at this place, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because uh, he talks about Skinny Rita Cook, and Skinny Rita Cook is apparently very ugly, but still has men all over her. And, and apparently, at one point, he asked her, like, hey, what's the deal with that? And she was like, not all guys care about looks. Some just want the, you know, a woman who's really going to love them. Mm. Uh, she, or it's, I forget the exact quote, but it's like, you know, something about, like, uh, with all a black man has to deal with nowadays, like they just want a woman that is going to love them unconditionally because like life's so hard. Hmm. Uh, so then I think uh, it's unclear. I think there's a little bit of dry humping going on between Easy and Coretta. In the bar? No, at her apartment. But Dupree is passed out in the next room. Uh, and at first, Easy's like, oh, come on, we can't do this. But then he gets like a little too horny. He's like, all right, come on, let's do it. And she's like, well, no, the guy's in the next room. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, but then it says that he finds out. Who... This is a weirdly paced story so far. Well, I'm pacing it weirdly. <laughs> yeah, you're foc- you focus on. Uh, I think there's a, a well-established. There's a lot of uh, description in the novel that's like very good. It's very like noirish. Like she had a figure like a Tommy gun. I don't know something like that. <laughs> he talks a lot about people's eyes. Uh, like the color of their eyes, very descriptively. Uh, that's nice. And I normally don't like overly descriptive or overly flowery, but I like this because it's in a very like detective noirish way, which I like. Um, but and there seems to be some good humor to it. As yeah, well. there's humor, and then like I said, there's a little dry humping. Um, he says that he finds out talking to her. Talking to Coretta, he finds out who Daphne's boyfriend was, and he wasn't happy to find out what he did, but he doesn't say what what he found out, you know? Right. So we don't know who Daphne's uh, boyfriend is. Uh, he goes home that morning. You know, it's like crack of dawn. He goes home. Uh, he talks about how he loves getting mail <laughs> because he's just like so... Tom, do you find yourself relating to Easy? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I don't own my own home, but he owns this home. And he's just like, this is great. I love even getting letters that are like just, uh, he gets like a letter that's like a chain letter about like, send this to th- five people <laughs> and send 20 cents to this address or else you're going to be cursed. Uh, he gets like junk mail and stuff, and he's just like, "This is great. I love getting he's mail." He's a regular uh, Navin Johnson from uh, the Jerk. He just wants to see his. Hey, uh, my address is in the phone book. Exactly, I'm in the phone book. That's great. He's just excited, but then he gets a letter from Mouse, who's looking to come visit, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no. Like, look, 
Malice is a good friend of mine, but like, I don't know, he killed some people and it's, there's too much heat. I just kind of don't want to be around him because like bad things happen when he's around. Uh, and that's when he reveals that Mouse kept, killed his stepfather and a guy named Clifton. Uh, I forget who Clifton was, but he killed him too. Um, and then Mouse was like, once Mouse got his money, he was like, uh, here, you have to, here's $300 for like driving. And he was like, I took it because I could tell Mouse was the kind of guy that if I didn't take it, he'd be like, oh, why aren't you taking it? Were you going to rat me out? So it's yeah. like, it was easier Mouse to just a take bit of a it. loose cannon. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So after all this happened, that's when Easy ran away to the army to fight in World War Two. And then after the, and then, <laughs> and then after the army, he went to L.A. So basically, like Mouse is the reason why he fled Houston. He's just like nuts nah, too too much heat, too much trouble. Eventually, this is going to catch up to me. I'm going to go fight in World War II. That seems safer. And then I'm going to come to L.A. Um, And then he gets... uh, Maybe maybe it's a phone call. Because I can't imagine it would be a letter. But that uh, Albright wants to meet him at the merry-go-round. I think it's like an abandoned park or or just like a park after dark. Uh, Because at this point, he's like... Oh, like Daphne gave me or uh, Coretta gave me enough information about Daphne that like I know where she is. I skipped that part. I think Coretta's like, oh, she hangs out at this club. So he's like, oh, I know where she is, but I want to get my full reward. And if I come back to this guy like, you know, the next day, like, yeah, found her. He's going to be like, oh, that was too easy. So he's like, I'm going to like let this sit for a couple of days. Uh, that's risky and also what if he's like oh, I know where she is and the guy's like cool I'm gonna go murder her now is it easy the kind of guy that would be like well, I, I don't want that to happen I think that's part of it I think that easy also wants to get a better idea of what the situation here mm. is because he initially thinks and he tells other people like uh, like uh, there's a guy looking for you know his girlfriend that he recently broke up with. He's trying to track her down to, you know, say sorry and try and win her back or whatever. But like in the back of his head, he knows that like, nah, there's no way this guy would be offering this kind of money and that this woman would be hiding the way she is. And he can already tell this, this, uh, DeWitt Albright is involved in some shady shit. He's like, I'm not hundred percent sure if he's mob, but he's along those lines and like, there's more to this. I kind of want to find out what more to this. There is a little bit maybe before I give this woman up. Yeah. But also like that's admirable. I think part of it too, is that he doesn't want to come to the next day and be like, Oh yeah, she's at, you know, uh, uh, Sam's. And then the guy goes to Sam's and she's not there. And then it's like, what, did you just tell me the first place you could think of? <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, that that's and that's where uh, chapter seven ended. Whew. Well, Tom, you really uh, this was a great story you came up with. <laughs> Thank you. 
I hope I really painted a picture of uh, what 1948 was like in L.A. for a black man. Uh, three things that I'm very familiar with. Yeah, who would know better than you? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, I I really like it so far. Uh, it's uh, it it really puts mostly it's just because you know the seven chapters I've read have taken place in two different bars. And I'm like, boy, I sure would like to be in a bar. (laughs) Yeah. Same running, running into people that, you know, that I'm acquaintances with and having a little back and forth learning about, uh, you know, what people are up to. Like I miss that about bars. Yeah. Um, I've, I've posed this question to a number of people recently because like before all this, I had pretty much, and I think you're the same way, stopped going to bars, really? Yeah, I mean, the big uh, uh, allure to bars when I was younger was that I wouldn't feel as horrible as I do nowadays the next day. But also that was like, oh, I'd like when we both lived in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, it was like, you go to the bar and you know the bartenders and you know the patrons and like Mm -hmm. you've got good friends that are likely to be there or show up later in the night. And that was always like the allure of a bar that like movies and TVs and books presented to us a place where everybody knows your name and it's like a second home where you can hang out in. Right. So let's say there's a vaccine tomorrow, right? Uh We're going to go out to the bars and try to try to, you know, foster that community. Like we're going to meet you and I and uh, and our friends are going to meet and we're going to. Like now we kind of live almost in, we we live in adjacent neighborhoods now yeah. and there are other yeah, people around. Yeah, we're not around. too far. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's the possibility for like finding a good middle point where right. it's like, yeah, well, how many weeks do you give that <laughs> until we're like, nah, I'm not gonna go to bar. Like I give it three weeks before. Oh, it's I was like, I was eh, gonna, I'm gonna say go back two. to being uh, a homebody. <laughs> I was gonna say two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't really think about that, that, yeah, like, uh, there, there's a bunch more people that live, we both live in the Southern part of Brooklyn. When we were younger, we lived in the Northern part and more people nowadays live in the Southern part than used to be the case. And that like, yeah, it kind of is prime to like find a good middle point and a good bar. Mm-hmm. But I was also going to say. Quit vaping. If there's, sorry, I yawned and somebody recently on Reddit postulated that I'm vaping when I'm making weird noises. It's just late at night, all right, and I'm old. Um, uh, if if there was a cure tomorrow and a vaccine tomorrow, I don't know. The bars would just be full of assholes, though. So yeah, but that's kind of nice. I mean, I I long for assholes? pushing my way through. <laughs> Yeah, a crowded bar where I'm like kind where of annoyed because like because at way, least you're not afraid of that uh, killing you. Yeah, and it, yeah, it makes me feel alive in a way. Like, okay, <laughs> this is oh, uh, that it's, was it's normal. Even the bad things that are normal are comforting. Uh, during during uh, chapter six or seven of this book, when when he's uh, back at Coretta's house and Dupree's in the next room. Uh, and like, you know, he's like, oh, I can tell like she's flirting with me and I'm flirting with her. 
Uh, he, he says at one point they're so close that when they're talking, they're just, uh, trading the same breath back and forth. I'm like, ew, that's so dangerous. <laughs> that's how it spreads. Yeah. You can't just trade the same breath back and forth. Hmm. I mean, unless they're in each other's bubble. Exactly. Well, I think they were in the bubble of 1948. Yeah. Must be nice. I mean, except for all the other stuff. For <laughs> except for all. Black in 1948 or yeah. in 2020, I guess. I mean, yeah. It was worse in 1948, and he just lost his job, and he's yeah. taking a sketchy job that uh, who knows what's going to happen. Well... Um, we'll find out what happens. Maybe uh, next chapter he'll just, uh, he'll find her and he'll be like, oh, thank God we were both looking for each other. And then, uh, the rest of the book will be epilogue. Nice. Happily ever after. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, next week, uh, chapter eight through something or other, look on the website. Um, not you, the listener. Yeah, I know. Not reddit.com. (laughs) Patreon.com. What do you mean? For the next for the next uh, chapters, yeah, eight to sixteen. Yeah, I just I've been reading the ebook, but I just ordered uh, the paperback because I like it that much. Ooh, and one day we'll give away all these books. Exactly, that's kind of what I was thinking. Cool. I won't give away Outlander. <laughs> that's... I'm gonna keep it and read it one day. It's fair. Uh, so yeah, uh, that that's it. That's my report. That's my book report for the week. Great. Uh, Tom, you did great. Uh, A plus plus. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to hearing more about what happens to Ezekiel. Easy. What's his last name? Rollins. Rider? Rollins. Easy Rider. Um, and on that note, we'll see you next week. Tom, any last words? Any parting words? Hey, keep it easy. Take it easy. And Take it, it easy. easy. Keep it greasy. See you next week.